It is my esteemed privilege and honor to be able to um, announce the speaker this morning. She's my best friend. She's been through everything with me, and yet she still loves me. And this morning, I just want to give a warm Victory Christian Center Warren Campus welcome to Pastor Tony. Don't you love Jesus this morning? To go ahead and say his name, say Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. We say, come, Lord Jesus. You are here. We love your name, Lord. It's the only name that can save us and heal us. It's the only name that delivers us and sets us free. It's the only name that bought our peace. Hallelujah. We just love you, Lord. I ask you to use me today. Open my mouth with your words and let nothing else come out. I don't want anyone to see me. I want them all to be pointed to your beautiful name. So we determine to look at you, to fix our eyes on you, and open our hearts to receive everything you have for us today. Amen. Do you love Jesus? I had a thought this morning. I actually posted it on social media. Jesus is everything that I never knew I needed. (laughs) Do you remember back to before you met him? Some of us were in a bad place. Some of us were a hot mess, but some of us thought we were pretty okay. Everything was going pretty good, and yet still weren't satisfied. There just still was something else we were looking for, and that was Jesus. He's everything that we never knew we needed. Amen. Well, he put a couple words on my heart this weekend, and I actually prepared both messages, (laughs) sent them both to Barb to be uploaded to the computer, and And I was going over them with my husband yesterday, and we went through both of them, all the notes for both of them. And I said, what do you think? I I couldn't get a leading either way. I just loved them both. And um, he goes, are you asking me as your husband or as your pastor? Like, well, as my pastor. (laughs) So he said, I really feel like this one is the word for the house. It goes along with what we've been sharing. And so the title of the message today is called Lean In. Everyone say, lean in. in. Something I've been pondering since last year. Words that have been stirring in me actually since last year sometime. And then we've heard it. I've heard it a lot. I've read it in journals. I've read it in devotionals. I've heard it in messages to lean in. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And um, I'm going to talk actually, start talking about something I really have no idea what I'm talking about. But it's what came to mind. As an example, right? So how many of you watch baseball? And there's this thing called a batting average, right? And I've always said, you know, you're batting a 1,000. And I never really knew what it meant (laughs) until I looked at this. And so I I was just kind of Googling what's a good batting average. And they said a pretty good batting average is 300. If you're batting 300, you're batting pretty good. So I looked up what's the highest ever batting average. And the one I found on Google was 407, right? So what does that mean? It means four out of ten times they hit the ball. A batting average of 300 means three out of ten times they hit the ball. That's an F if it's a grade, right? (laughs) I thought, how can that possibly be good? Babe Ruth, right? The babe. 
his highest batting average was 342. And he was considered amazing. Everyone's saying lean in. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. So, and then let's take, for instance, the weatherman. How often, really, is the weatherman correct? Once or twice a month? Is he really? I mean, I don't know anybody else who can be wrong that much and still keep their job. (laughs) Besides the Browns, right? Do I have time for a joke? No, I won't go there. (laughs) So a good batting average is three out of ten times. And the weatherman's never right, and he still gets to keep his job. And then I was looking at Jesus and his prayer life, right? Because who wants to have an effective prayer life? Raise your hand. When you pray, who wants to actually get an answer? We don't pray when we don't want an answer. We pray because we're desperate for an answer. And so Jesus is average, for answered prayer was 100%. 100%. He batted a 1,000. Every prayer the man ever prayed was answered. And so I want to be like Jesus. Do you want to be like Jesus? And so I started looking. Why? Why? How? How in the world did Jesus have 100% accuracy in prayer? Was it because he knew the word? I certainly hope he knew the word. He wrote it. He is the word made flesh. He was there at the beginning. He's the one who spoke the words over creation. And by his word, all things stay. He doesn't have to get up every day and say, oh, I better say it, let there be light again. From that one word he spoke over creation, light still is because he is the word. So is that why he got 100% accuracy in his prior life? Uh Uh-uh. Is it because he was a son of God? Is that why he got 100% accuracy in prior life? How many of you have ever thought that? Because he was the son of God, God answered him more than he would ever answer me. Let me tell you, that's a lie. Jesus absolutely was the son of God. But he was the word made flesh so that he could live life as a human being full of the Holy Spirit, subject to all the temptations and doubts and environmental pressures that we are and show us how to do it. He didn't get 100% accuracy because he was the Son of God. He didn't get 100% accuracy because he knew the word of God. Hannah, can you put that picture, first one up? Faith is more than believing words on a page. It's trusting the character of the one who spoke them. So we can read the words on these pages all that we want to unless we know the character of the person that spoke them. We're not going to trust the words, right? How many of you have ever been lied to? Raise your hand. So the next time that person came back to tell you something, did you doubt? Why? Because you didn't trust their, and you didn't trust their character. And so Jesus, the reason he could have a 100% answer rate in prayer isn't because he knew the word. 
isn't because he was the Son of God. It's because he knew the one who spoke the word and trusted his character. Jesus had a 100% answer rate because of intimacy. Period. And we're going to look at that today. Hebrews 6.12, we all know this verse. It's the one who says, Through faith and patience possess ye the promise. But I want to look at it in the Amplified Classic Version because I really, really like this definition of faith here. It says, In order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards, but imitators, everyone say imitators, behaving as those do who through faith, by their leaning of their entire personality on God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. That's how the author of Hebrews is defining faith for us. It's not confessing the word a thousand times and then it comes to pass. That's not faith. What he's saying faith is, is the leaning, everyone say lean in, of the entire personality on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. It's not just believing words on a page. It's trusting the character of the one who spoke them. It's leaning in and getting to know the character of the one who spoke them. And that level of faith, the 100% accuracy in prayer, that level of faith only comes in intimacy. And that's how Jesus did it. He said, the Father and I are one. He said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He said, the Son can do nothing of himself. And if anybody was going to be able to do anything of themselves, it was going to be the Son of God. But he was fully dependent on his Father and the Holy Spirit inside of him. He did what he did as a human being full of the Spirit of God to show us how to do it. That's good news. That is amazing news, and I think we just need to say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And he didn't hold that information to himself. He showed us how to do it. John 15, 5 through 7 says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and that word remain can also mean abide. Those who, so I'm going to use it as abide. Those who abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It sounds like what Jesus said about himself and the Father. Apart from me, or apart from the Father, I can do nothing. He even told some people one time when they called him good teacher. They said, why are you calling, he said, why are you calling me good? There's only one good, and he's God. In essence, he was saying, anything good you see in me is from him. Right? Because he had this. He was a flesh and blood man. He was subject to everything that we're subject to. Jesus could have yielded to temptation. Jesus could have yielded to doubt. But what held him? I am in the Father and the Father's in me. Intimacy held him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So what he's saying is how I walked in this level of intimacy and how I walked in power and how I bore fruit and how I had my prayers answered was I was in the Father and the Father was in me, right? 
So he told us how to do it in John 15, and he showed us how to do it with the example of his life. How many times do we read in the Gospels that Jesus went alone on the mountain to pray? Sometimes he went alone on the mountain to pray all night long. Has anyone ever done that? Reached that level? (laughs) And then got up or went out and functioned the next day? He didn't go to bed, and then he had to go show his disciples what to do. But let me tell you, he didn't do that every night. That was more of a rare example. And yet he prayed during the day to the point where his disciples were so impressed with his prayer life that they looked at him one day and said, Lord, teach us to pray. He prayed at night. He prayed during the day. And I love, I love what he says when he goes to raise Lazarus from the dead. He said, Lord, I thank you that you heard me, which means he heard him before. And I thank you that you hear me always. But the interesting thing about that word hear is that it can also mean to be in the audience of. So when Jesus was standing at that tomb, he said, I thank you that I'm always in the audience of you. Intimacy. Jesus lived his life with the the knowledge and the awareness of the fact that I'm always in the audience of God. I'm always in the audience of him. And that's how he walked in intimacy, and that's how he had answered prayer. Sometimes we put our faith in our prayer, in the words that we're speaking. Anybody ever said, out of your mouth, I don't know how to pray? Raise your hand. I'm not a good prayer. Raise your hand. Can I tell you that prayer doesn't change a thing? Oh, no. (laughs) You're like, yes, it does. I have heard that all my life. Prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. Prayer doesn't change a thing. All that prayer does is engage the one who can. Right? So if if Michael was at work and I was at home and I sent him a text that just said milk, he would know I got to stop on the way home and get milk. And he would do it. Now, when he walked in the door with that milk, could I go, I did it, I did it, I did it. It was what I said. Is that what brought milk home? No, but what did that one word milk do? Engaged the one who did it. So take all the pressure off yourself right now. There is no good prayer, bad prayer. There's, I'm always in the audience of him. Whether you're saying one word or 50 words, it doesn't matter. It's the faith and the hunger that engage the one who can change the situation. And that's what we're after, right? So Jesus lived with his eyes and ears tuned into heaven. I do only what I see the Father do, and I say only what I hear the Father say. And that's how we're supposed to live too. Do you want to put up the next picture? If we want the results that Jesus had, we also have to live the life that Jesus lived. John 16, 23 says, At that time, what is that time? 
at that time. He's talking about the time after he's gone to the cross and raised from the dead and ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. So this was all new to the disciples. They had never themselves prayed to the Father because they didn't have access. At that point, Jesus was the only one with access to the Father. But who did they ask when they needed anything? They asked Jesus. And now he's switching it for them. At that time, after I've cleansed your sins, after I've put my blood on the mercy seat, after I've paid the penalty for sin and opened the door for you to have a relationship with the Father, at that time, you're not going to ask me a thing. You're going to have direct access to the Father. All of you. If we want the results that Jesus had, we need to use our access. We all have the same right the same responsibility and the same access to intimacy with the Father that all those old men of faith did? How else would John G. Lake have bubonic plague germs die in his hand? Because he confessed a thousand times, the bubonic plague will die in my hand, the bubonic plague will die in my hand. No, our words are powerful. I'm not discounting the power of our words right now. But we're talking about the foundation for an effectual prayer life. It's not how many times we confess something. It's how well we know the author of the word. It's how well we know the creator of the universe. It's how well do we know and trust the one who holds the power to change it all. We have the same access to that power to living in that intimacy that John G. Lake did, that Smith Wigglesworth did, that Reese Howell did, that Hudson Taylor did. If you don't know who any of these people are, go listen to this again. Google them on Amazon and buy their books. You'll read them and go, am I even saved? Because they walked in such intimate fellowship with the Father. And guess what? We have the same right and the same access to the Father that Jesus did. The same exact access that Jesus did. The Bible says we're heirs of God and joint heirs, co-heirs with Jesus. What does that mean? It means, yeah, we don't, co-heirs. Let me just describe this. Let me just describe this. That was a good answer. We don't have Jesus' hand-me-down. When he got done with it and got ringed it of all its power, have you ever gotten someone's hand-me-downs that were like, you could tell they'd been well-worn and they weren't going to last very long and didn't have the same oomph they did when they were new? So we're not, we didn't get Jesus' hand-me-downs, right? It's not just some old worn-out authority that might work and might not. We didn't get the leftovers, We didn't get the part of the inheritance, the authority, the dominion, the power, the access. We didn't get the leftovers where he took 90% of it and said, all right, now the whole church has to divide 10%. You can have, you know, 0.001% authority and you don't get quite as much as she did because there's not any left for you. We're co-heirs. 
Same access, same authority, same dominion, same power. We just have to choose to use it. Salvation is free. You can put that one up, Hannah. Salvation is free. But intimacy is costly. Right? You don't just fall into intimacy with someone, do you? It takes time to cultivate it. Salvation is costly, but, or salvation is free, but intimacy is costly. Reese Howell, how many of you know who he is? There's a book on um, Amazon. It's called Reese, R-E-E-S, Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L, Intercessor by Norman Grubb. Buy it. Invest into your life with this book. You will not regret it. It is the most phenomenal book on prayer that I have ever read, ever. I read it every year at least once. But he, God really worked him over as far as what was permissible in his life. And he told him one time, and he made this comment in the book, he said that God told me what is permissible for another man won't be permissible for you if you want to walk in what I've called you to walk in. What's permissible for another man won't be permissible for you if you want to walk in what I've called you to walk in. And we're not talking about the law. I'm not trying to put some law, some heavy burden on you. This is pure desire. This is pure, I want to walk as close with God as I can. And I'll, I'll never forget, I'd been crying out, God, I want more of you. God, I'm so hungry for you. God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want more of you. And yet I always had the TV going on for background noise. House hunters, beach house hunters, Hawaii house hunters, fix-it house hunters. Not even bad stuff, it was just entertainment. And I was in the kitchen one day making dinner, watching some beach house hunter show, because I love the beach. There are going to be oceans in heaven. Don't anyone tell me about the verse in Revelation that said they're not going to be there, because I'm just believing they are. But I was um, just had had it on, watched a couple of them, and all of a sudden in my spirit, the Holy Spirit said, I thought you wanted more of me. That's so distracting, why don't you turn it off? And I did. I started fasting TV, and I can't tell you the difference and the clarity that it made. It's not a law thing. It's a how hungry are you thing. It's not a law thing. It's how much of him do we want? And sometimes I think we don't realize the clutter that's all around us. So why doesn't everyone walk in this? Why don't I walk in a deeper level? What is hindering a deeper level of intimacy in our lives? And I want to tell you what it is. One of the things is clutter. Mark 4, 18 through 19 says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. So he's talking about the heart that has thorny soil. Everyone say, I'm responsible for the soil of my own heart. So this, I mean, this parable tells different kinds of soil, right? Shallow, dry, thorny, good. It wasn't a lottery. You got thorny and you got shallow and you got good, so you're lucky. We're responsible to cultivate the soil of our own heart, right? So, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out or cluttered out 
by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. Say no fruit. Now, Jesus told us, if I abide in him and his word abides in me, I can ask whatever I will, it'll be done for me, and I'll produce much fruit. So here he's telling us what are some fruit stealers, right? There's some things that can clutter our heart that can steal the the foundation of intimacy that's going to guarantee the answer to prayer. And I want to just give you an example. Can you put up that first one that looks like a bunch of letters. So I'm addicted. I, I said it. I am addicted to this game. I'm on level 1363. <laughs> but it's called word bubbles. So if you look at that, how many of you just immediately saw a word? Right? No. Because what does it look like? Just a bunch of letters all cluttered together. All right, put the next one up. So I try to get the long word first. So I saw my biology, and I thought, ooh, something else must go with that, because that looks like I tried it, and it didn't work. So I found microbiology. So then you can look, and oh, you might be able to see a few more words. So put the next one up. So then I found facial. And then it sets off over here, that P-O-S-I-T. I'm like, ooh, I bet that makes a word. Go ahead. And it did. It made positive. So you can do the next one. And do you see how, do the next one, the more letters you clear away, how many of you know what word that is? Aid, why? Because we cleared away all the, and you can see the word, right? And it's the same with our hearts. It's easier to see the Father and to hear the Father when we clear away all that clutter. And clutter is not necessarily bad. Clutter is just clutter. How many of you have ever made a big meal? And there's pots and pans and dishes and bowls and everything all over the kitchen. Do you see the tiny little crumbs behind the pot on the counter with all of that clutter? No. But as you wash the dishes and get them put away and look around, you're like, oh, look, there's crumbs that need cleaned up. Why? Because you cleared away the clutter. So will you put up the one with the little flower? What you feed will thrive. What you starve will die. Oh, she put the wrong one up here. I mean, in the, I sent her two different ones. This was for a different message. This says starve your doubt, feed your faith. But the one I was going to put up said starve the clutter and feed the intimacy. Starve the clutter. And clutter can be anything. It can be the news. It can be beach hunters. It can be those books that you're reading that aren't lifting you up. It can be uh, anything that's drawing your heart and attention away from God to the point that it's coming out of your mouth. Because our words are locators, right? There's a a verse in Psalms that says, um, they that live in your presence will praise you. And I like to say that praise reveals proximity. So the more praise that's coming out of your mouth, the more likely it is that you're walking close. The more complaining that's coming out of your mouth, the more likely it is that your eyes are fixed on something that's not him. Right? Are you tracking with me? Y'all are being real quiet today. And I'm going to go with the fact that maybe you're just listening. (laughs) 
Clutter's not necessarily bad, it's just clutter. His voice can and will thunder over the chaos of our lives. And if you read the scriptures from cover to cover, there are more times that say his voice thunders than it says it whispers. He thunders like the waves. He thunders like an earthquake. The thundering voice of the Lord shakes the mountains. And he will thunder over the, the chaos and clutter in our lives. However, the secrets come in the whisper. Everyone say, lean in. What do you do when someone says, I got to tell you something? You do what? Lean in. If Michael said, I, I really need to tell you a secret, I'd go. I'd put my ear real close to his mouth and I'd wait for him to whisper. So his voice will thunder over the clutter. You'll still have a, a relationship with God. Are you following me? You're not kicked out of the family because you choose to have clutter. But secrets are revealed in the whisper. And in order to hear the whisper, we have to lean in. You know, Elijah on the mountain, he's, first came the earthquake, and God was not in the earthquake. But can I tell you, he had been in an earthquake before. And God was not in the fire, but he went with his people as a pillar of fire. And God was not in the was it wind? But he had been wind before. He had manifested himself in those ways before, spectacularly. However, if Elijah was only looking for these spectacular demonstrations of the power of God, he would have missed the whisper. And do you know what was in that whisper? It was the last and final three directives that God gave him for his ministry. If he would have been content just waiting for some supernatural demonstration of God's power and didn't lean into the whisper of intimacy, he would have missed the last three directives for his ministry. Everyone say, we need the whisper. I'll lean in. Walking in intimacy is a game changer. Not only does it transform our prayer lives, it gives us more boldness. Why? Because we know who lives in us. You don't walk around in some kind of insecurity. If you don't know your identity, you'll never fulfill your destiny. Girls, we talked about that in the first message of our found series on Thursday night. When Jesus was baptized... And the voice came down from heaven and said, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he immediately was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And how did the devil tempt him? If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. He tried to get him to doubt his identity because if Jesus doubted it, even a little bit, he wouldn't have been able to walk in his authority. He just said, Who am I to say that? And where is that found? In the whisper. Right? Ah, say God is good. I'm going to lean in. Oh, he's so good. Sometimes in order to lean in, we have to lean away from other things. 
We have to clear the clutter. When we were talking about this yesterday and kind of going back and forth on the, the scriptures and the, and the message, and, and Michael said, this is exactly what God spoke to me this morning too. And this is what he told Pastor Michael yesterday. He said, revival cannot come without reformation, which is change. Reformation will never come without a reorganization of priorities. Decluttering. If he is not all we want, our first and only, our love will be divided and we will never attain the intimacy our heart craves. Until there's a conviction of need, there can never be a desire for change. Lord, show us what needs to go. We just want more of you. Say, I'm hungry for more. A fire that is tended will never go out. And it's a church on fire that sets its community on fire. We have to tend the fire of intimacy with God. We have to tend that fire. Pastor Michael's not going to come to your house and tend your fire of intimacy. He's not going to bring his guitar and worship with you. Although you can, if you have a CD, listen to him. I encourage it. (laughs) It's a good CD. We tend the fire of intimacy with God. And it's, it's a church on fire that's what's going to set its community on fire. And we're praying for revival. We're praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're praying, God, show yourself. Reveal yourself to this community. I pray for our schools, Lord. Reveal yourself to them in such power. Before, introduce yourself to them before they're ever introduced to drugs. Because once you taste the power of God, you want nothing less. You won't settle for anything less. And if you're not hungry for more of him, it's just because you haven't really tasted that yet. Oh, it's so, so good. Mmm. Everyone say, mmm. I think sometimes when we're praying, we're expecting some sovereign thing, that God's just going to, outside of us, go do something in the community. But I have more of a picture that it's going to be like the book of Acts where we, they were praying and he poured his spirit and his fire out upon them and they poured out into the streets and spread his fire. We're waiting for this thing outside of us and God's saying, I'm waiting for you to catch fire so I can do it through you. We have to tend that fire of intimacy. In Revelation 2, he said, I know your works. I know what you're doing. I know your hard work and perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false, and you have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. In the Amplified, it says, I have this one charge to make against you that you have left And abandoned the love that you had at first. You've deserted me. You leaned away from me and leaned into other things. Now, I'm going to clarify here that he's not talking about their serving. Not one time in this section of scripture did he say, shame on you. You went back under the law. Stop doing what you're doing. He didn't condemn their serving. He actually commended it. But what he's saying is, in what you're doing... Lean into intimacy. There's got to be more power in what you're doing. 
Don't lean away from serving the Lord. Lean into it, but lean into it with intimacy so that you can lean into it with power. But what's wrong is that we live in a world filled with such distractions that our soul roars for diversion and our soul has control over our spirit. But it's our spirit, man, that's supposed to be in control and say, no, no, I'm always in the audience of greatness. I am always in the audience of power. I am always in the audience of the one who shed his blood and gave his all for me. My soul is not going to win. My spirit's going to win. And I'm going to tell you, this is not just for pastors. The people at your job need you to walk in this level of intimacy. They need you to have 100% accuracy in your prayer life. They need you to be able to lay hands on them when they're sick and so they can recover and come into contact with pure love. Right? Am I right? Don't you just want more of him? Jesus is everything your coworkers never knew they needed. Your husbands, your wives, your kids that have walked away from God. And I love something that Jim White said when he was here. I wrote it down, and I think about it every day. Everybody that we meet deserves an encounter with God. Jesus was the invisible image, or the visible image of the invisible God. Because he walked in such intimacy, he could say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it's supposed to be the same with us. And yet they come into contact with this before they ever come into contact with this. But we'll find when we walk in this level of intimacy, the flesh is going to have no more power. What Jesus did on the cross to defeat the curse, like really will work in your life. Why? Because you're living always in the audience of him. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Help us to take time. Help us to lean in. Help us to make space to declutter. And Father, for any heart that is not craving you, I pray that you would begin to stir an insatiable hunger on the inside of us that will only be met as we lean into you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to close today's service a different way. I'm just so thankful for the Word of God. The Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 4, that is the purpose of the leaders of the church to equip the saints, that's that's me, say I'm a saint, to do the work of the ministry. I want you to say this out of your own mouth, and I'm going to say it out of my mouth. I will, I will produce, fruit. produce fruit. Come on, say, I'm a fruit producer. I'm a fruit producer. Say it again. I'm a fruit producer. I am a fruit producer. God hears my prayers. 
Let's just bow our heads again. I want to just take inventory of our hearts. What a great message to reflect. How hungry are you? I believe that this goes in line very much with where we've started off this year. We are preparing the way for the Lord. For I will declare that I am going to choose to be a voice crying in this wilderness of Warren in Youngstown, Ohio. Prepare the way for the Lord. He is coming. Jesus is coming soon. How hungry are you? Salvation is free. But intimacy is going to cost you something. Listen to me. This is not about your salvation. This is about you and him. This is about us. This is about so the world might see and know there's something different about this place. There's something different about this person. We must reorganize. We must reform who we are so that they will see when revival comes, there's some depth to this people. There's some depth to these people. Depth doesn't come without intimacy with the Father. Father, we just bow our hearts again today. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We just declare that this shall be a a community of believers that lean in, seek you, determined to be intimate with you, desire to see answered prayer all around us. We love you, Father. We reaffirm and recommit our love to you again this morning. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Will you stand with us? I made a statement the other day to uh, someone who asked me. They were from out of state, and they were, I know who it was. It was a pastor over at uh, Grace Fellowship. I was talking to him, and I, he goes, I said, where are you from? I hear your accent. You got, you got a southern accent. And he goes, oh, I'm from such and such. And he goes, are you from, he asked me, are you from this area? And I said, yeah, born and raised. And with the exception of about six years, I, I lived outside of the state, but I love this place. And he looked at me, and he's like, what? I said, I want you to hear me loud and clear. I love this place. I love the snow. I love the cold. I love the hot. I love the rain. I love the place that I grew up in. And this is where my heart is. And I don't want to bless us today. I want us to turn around. And I want us to face the walls today. And I want to bless this this city that we live in. Because this is what we're supposed to do. We are to water where we live. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. And I just choose to just look. Let's just turn to the back wall. Turn to the walls around you. And I want to just bless our city this morning before we go. We bless this city in the name of Jesus. We bless Warren, Ohio. We bless the communities around it. Champion and Niles and Cortland and Newton Falls and Lordstown. We bless them. We bless Cortland. We bless all of these, these surrounding communities. The city and the township of Warren. We bless them. Father, that you would set a fire in us. That we might affect everyone in our cities. That Father, everyone who comes in contact with us would see and know that there's something different about 
about us, that there's depth in us, not just weary, washy Christians that say, yeah, I go to church on Sundays, but people who see in us a depth and a reformation and a reorganization and a revival fire burning on the inside of us. We bless Warren and all of its surrounding communities with this, that everything that they see in us would, desi- would cause a desire in them to want to know you the way that we know you. Father, would you wake us up? Would you open our eyes to see that there's a world around us that deserves the encounter that we've had this morning? They deserve that same encounter every time we come in contact with them. In Jesus' name, we bless this city in the mighty name of Jesus. Now listen, go out and change this world that you live in.